Good morning. It's so good to be here with you guys today. Would you do me a favor? Would you stay standing? Um, the Bible says this. It says to give honor where honor is due. And if I haven't got the chance to meet you, my name is Ethan. I'm our student pastor here at LifePoint over our high school and our middle school students. But even just as we were worshiping, I had a moment just remembering that nine years ago in July, Jesus did what only he could do in my life. And my life was forever changed because I encountered him for the first time. And I believe today, maybe you're in the room, July 2019 could be your month that everything changes. But I remember that moment was so powerful. And I just had a dream that, that what if God would use me to share the same message that saved my life to one more person? And I'm so thankful that we have a church and a senior pastor that although he is so gifted and so anointed, he has enough humility to share this platform and not just share it, but to develop young preachers, communicators, pastors like me, and I get the opportunity today. So can you help me thank our pastors, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Tammy. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. I, I wanna read my verse before we sit down. I promise you won't stand all two hours. I'm up here, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it's gonna be in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13. It says this, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? What is my name? What's my reputation? What's my word on the street? Before you take your seat, turn to your neighbor, tell them the title of my message, say my name, say my name, say my name, say my name. I feel the spirit of destiny's child rising up in here. You can go ahead, take your seat all across the room. I wanna pray for us that God would speak to us and then we'll dive into the message today. Heavenly Father, I pray specifically that your voice would be loud today and that mine would be quiet that you would speak directly and specifically to each and every one of us, that we can see you more, know your plan for our life, and help us take a next step towards you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. amen. Do you have anyone in your life who uh, they have a problem or struggle with acting or speaking before they think through it? Listen, I know it's not you. If your spouse is sitting next to you, don't nudge them. Um, this is the mature crowd. You guys are all grown up. You think through everything. But um, my wife would tell you I have this problem. There's multiple times, multiple days, multiple opportunities every single day where for some reason, I don't know why, something comes out of my mouth or an action happens. And listen, pray for me. I'm trying. But I've, I've grown in it. It started very young. And even when I first became a youth pastor, in 2012, I was in Alabama, and it was during 21 days of prayer. 21 days of prayer is one of my favorite times of year. We seek God corporately as a church for 21 days from 6 to 7 a.m. It's starting here the first week of August. But as a youth pastor, I had a student who had graduated and left, gone to Clemson, and her name was Katie. She was one of the students I was close with. I knew a lot about her story and her family, and I was praying during 21 days of prayer. And, and I saw Katie out of the corner of my eye. I hadn't seen Katie for months I was like, I have to catch up with Katie. I want to hear how Clemson is going. I want to hear how her life is. I want to hear what God's doing in her life. But it was prayer time. So I was like, okay, Ethan, pray. You'll talk to Katie later. Hello, Lord. <laughs> um, so I, I, I got done with prayer and I saw Katie and I don't know what happened. I don't know why I didn't think through what I should do, what the proper way to approach someone was, especially, you know, as a man of God. But I see Katie from across the room and I'm, I'm just so excited to see Katie. So I, she's in a conversation, but you know, it's, it's rude to interrupt. Don't interrupt people when they're talking, but this situation was different. So I see Katie across the room and I run up to her and I shove her from the back. I know. 
And some of you are like, I know why you don't work in Alabama anymore. <laughs> like, welcome to Virginia. This is, this is why I'm here. But, but the, the worst part was that when Katie turned around, it wasn't Katie. Matter of fact, it was someone 20, 30, 40 years older than Katie that I had personally never met before. I was like, hello, my name's Pastor Ethan. Welcome to church today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and I learned this principle, and, and you know this to be true, that, that our perception of someone is what determines our interaction with them. Who we perceive them to be or who we think they are determines how we interact. Now, it is never appropriate to shove someone from behind. I learned that the hard way, but, but you've experienced this, right? You've been in Target looking for what you need, maybe with two or three children, just trying to survive, and then someone approaches you in a red shirt and khakis to save the day, and you say, excuse me, sir, can you help me find the Gatorade? And he's like, I don't work at Target. And you're like, why are you wearing red shirt and khakis? <laughs> or, or, or for some reason, this, this principle changes people so much that you can go from 35 to 13 years old in an instant when you see your favorite celebrity. All of a sudden, you're, you're, you're a grown man. You're like, this is the day. This is the day. But then your favorite MLB player walks into the restaurant. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> there he is. And you're like, what happened to your voice? Why? Your, your perception of someone determines your interaction with them. This, this one's a little bit more negative, but you've been in the store or the mall and all of a sudden you see the person who for some reason when you talk to them, it's a two, three or four hour conversation and you have things to do that day and you have the ability to become 007 of Fredericksburg, Virginia, to maneuver through the aisles, to do anything you can to accomplish the mission of getting out of the store on time and to your destination. Why? Because our perception of someone determines our interaction with them. And if it's true about people, it has to be true about God. That our perception of God determines how we interact with him. And our interaction with him determines our relationship with him. And our relationship with him determines what we get out of that relationship. A.W. Tozer, he, oh, thank you, wow. Didn't expect clapping this early in the morning. Praise God. Welcome to church. A.W. Tozer, he's a theologian and Bible scholar, preacher. He said it this way, that the most important thing about us is what we think about when we think about God or what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about you. More important than your church attendance. More important than your actions. More important than the way you interact with your family, with other people, with your pastor is what you think about when you think about God. If you're like, I don't know who A.W. Tozer is, Jesus said it this way. He, he said it in the verse we read earlier. He went to the disciples and he said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, I think this is interesting. If you um, do not have a relationship with God or Jesus, maybe you're skeptical of this, this verse alone should at least spark a question in you. The disciples look back to Jesus and they say, well, thanks for asking. Some people say you're John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, the reason this is interesting is because all these homies are dead. They're like, good question. Yeah, they just think you're Tupac walking around. Like, so maybe you don't believe in Jesus or you're skeptical. I just want you to consider that, that something about his life 
Even the people who weren't in close proximity with him considered him to be different than your average individual. But Jesus quickly flips the script. He says, great, I'm glad they know what the word on the street is. But a more important question is this. Who do you say that I am? In other words, I'm not worried about what the Pharisees or anyone else thinks about me. I'm worried about what you think about me. Because the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Jesus asked this question over 2,000 years ago, and I, I believe he's asking the same question to you and to I today. He says, who do you say that I am? Now, in the world of 2019, we may have not given this much thought. Like, you probably don't sit and ponder, who do I say that God is? Why? You have Instagram. <laughs> any, any, any moment you have to free think, you just decide to scroll, because I do it too. Listen, listen it's horrible disease. Um, we're going to pray that the spirit of Instagram will leave this world. <laughs> to me, you guys like, what's Instagram? It's, it's an app, social media. We'll, we'll, get, we'll talk about that later. But I, I believe today, the first thing we have to do is deconstruct the wrong perceptions of God. Because maybe you've never put thought to it because if the principle is true that our perception of someone determines our interaction with them, the inverse is true as well. Our interaction with someone reveals what our perception of them is. And so maybe you've never said, this is who I think that God is. But if we examine our actions, we can see that our perception of God may be clouded, may be wrong. And so I, I did a, a public survey. I wanted to see who, who do you say that God is? Or maybe before you became a Christian, who did you think that he was? And I got some really great and interesting ones. The first one actually came from my wife, Erin. She's the most beautiful one in the room. If you were looking for her, you'll see her later. Um, just look for the most beautiful woman, the church. Anyways, the first one is that some people said, I, I think God is a boring God. Now, maybe you've never said it with your mouth, but, but her story is that she grew up in church, coming regularly, and, and the church she was a part of, and the people in her sphere who were a Christian, they, they didn't, they didn't um, talk much about the joy of God. They talked more about the rules of God, and she was told, do this and don't do that, and she said, I like fun, and if God's boring, I don't necessarily want to interact with a boring God. Maybe you've considered that before. Maybe you've thought, I, I want to live the life that I want to live. I don't want to live what he tells me to because it's boring. Or maybe you've heard that it's not as fun as the world has to offer. This one's interesting. Um, I, no one could give a name to it, but I think this name fits perfectly. They said, I just perceived that God was a checkbox God, that I come on Sundays and check off the box and I receive what I need to. In other words, that he's kind of like just a tinkerbell that sprinkles pixie dust, like, woo! You're in the building, just here's your pixie dust, and you're just going to float all through your week. And you've probably never called God Tinkerbell. But do your actions make it look like that's what he is in your life? That if you just come on a Sunday, you'll get the dust. Maybe, maybe you're like me. When I was growing up, I thought God was a confusing God. I mean, like, listen, I'm not the best reader. This is a big book. And I, I, I don't understand. So how can I be in relationship with a God that I don't understand? I don't know what your perception of God is or was, but it's important for us to identify the misperceptions of God because when we identify them, we can kill them. And if we can kill them, 
we can discover who God is. And so, yes, you, you are correct. I decided today on Young Communicator Sunday to preach a message on who is God. Not an easy message to preach because there are so many topics, so many attributes, so many characteristics that we could talk about. But today I just picked three. Three things that, that if you and I together can see God the right way, I believe our lives will be changed forever. Why? Because the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And the first one uh, I think is so important. It might even be the most important to understand, and it's that he's your creator. He's, he's our creator. In the beginning, God created. I mean, it's pretty amazing to think about. Like, he was just in the beginning, just him, and he spoke the world into existence. Like, whale. Okay? If I were God, I'd be like, queso. Chick-fil-A. He started with other things. But he didn't just create things. He created you. He created you uniquely. He created you specifically. If you think about a creator, there, there's multiple things that they know that no one else does. The first thing is that a creator attributes value to their creation. They're the ones who determine its value. The second is that a creator determines its potential. A creator determines what's, what its purpose is, right? You don't just pick something up and go, I know what this is for. No, the creator created it. That's why things come with instruction manuals. A creator also knows how things work best. You know, when I think of creators and creation, the first thing I think about is Shark Tank, right? The best TV show on the planet. What would we do without Shark Tank? It's like all of our inner dreams come alive and all frustrations too, because the first thing you think of is why didn't I create that and make that much money? If you've never seen Shark Tank, there are uh, four or five billionaires with a B, just for clarity here, billionaires who listen to people pitch their creation and see if they want to invest. I wish I had a billion dollars so that I could be on the show and for other reasons. Um, but just think about this. A creator comes on the show and pitches this idea, and they're so excited. They're sharing how amazing it is. They're sharing the purpose. They're explaining the value. They're explaining how it works. And the sharks, the investors, decide whether or not. And if we're not careful, I think we'll have a perception of God as if he's one of the sharks looking at us. And we're trying to convince him how valuable we are. We're trying to convince him that we have potential, that we have a purpose. God's not one of the sharks. God's the creator. He, he says you're valuable. He says you have potential. He says that you have a purpose. He says, I know how you work. Don't listen to them. You don't have to try. You don't have to look around. You don't have to tell everybody else you're worth it. Listen, I said you're valuable. And not only does he determine that, but he intrinsically knows your purpose more than anyone else's. I, I don't like to boast, but I have an iPhone XS. Now listen, I upgraded from a six, so that's like four years of waiting. And in the iPhone world, that is an eternity. So I, I never forget the week I got it. People came up to me and they asked me a very interesting question about the iPhone. They said, what's different about this iPhone than the previous iPhone? Now, I'm a pastor, not an engineer. And so I'd look at them like, who do you think that I am? <laughs> like, it makes phone calls. Like, 
it's connected to the internet. I don't, I don't know. And, and the first time was like, aha, this is funny. But every day the following week it happened. And I was royally frustrated. Like I had no answers. And so I do what any grown man does. I went to Google. Thank you, God, for Google. And I found the Apple presentation of the new iPhone. And so I got on the treadmill and watched the hour and a half presentation of the new iPhone. I know, I have a problem. <laughs> I watched this presentation and let me tell you, my iPhone can do so much more than I use it for and that I knew it could do. And these creators were able to explain the power in my iPhone that I didn't even know was available. They were able to tell me about the virtual reality elements. They were able to tell me about how because the chip became a millimeter smaller but has more power, my phone will last longer. They were able to tell me that the camera is stronger, but only the creators knew the purpose and the power and potential laid inside of it. My fear is that if we don't properly understand that God is our creator, we'll look to the world and ask, what was I created for? What, what should I do? What, what do I have inside of me? How should I live? What's my potential? And God's saying, would you listen? I, I think so, so often the reason fasting works so well, prayer and fasting that we do during 21 days of prayer is because we're able to quiet the voice of the world that so often tries to lie to us and change how we were created. Live this way. Do these things. And maybe you've never vocalized to the world. Maybe you've never put the question out on social media. You've never asked, how was I created? But we do it every single day. We search for likes. We look to people in school and our coworkers how to dress, how to behave, what words to say, because we're asking the question, how was I created? And when we understand that God is our creator, this book, this Bible becomes so much more valuable. This isn't something we just open up and hope God speaks to us or check off a list. This is his instruction manual. God, God loves you so much that not only did he create you, he said, here's the instructions of how to get the most out of your life. Here's the way for you to live and become fully alive. Think about this for me. Like God said, here's the world. And if you live this way, if you follow my instructions, if you follow my commandments, you'll experience joy, love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. My biggest fear in the Christian world today is that somehow we've considered sin as making us bad. That's not what sin is. God's instructions his commands aren't saying, do this and you'll be good. Do this and you'll be bad. No, God's commandments are do this and you find life. Do this and you get the results I intended for you. What is sin? Sin is going against God. Saying, I, I, I'm gonna lie even though you told me not to. I'm not gonna wait until marriage even though you told me not to. And God loves you so much, he wants you to understand this path leads to death. The Bible does not say sin makes us bad. It specifically said sin leads to death. When we understand that, not only does it change our perspective of sin, it helps us go, 
okay, no, I'm not gonna do this because I can ask for forgiveness later. I, I'm, I'm not gonna do this because God has a better way. I'm not gonna do this because I want life. I'm not gonna do this because God made a way. You know, it's not only helpful for us to understand that sin doesn't make you bad, it makes you dead. It's helpful for us because it gives us empathy for others. As the church, we are called to be the most loving, the most empathetic. And I, I just wanna declare that long are the days away where we look at people and say they're bad, that they have addictions, they're not good enough. No, we have empathy and say, we want you to experience life. We want you to experience hope. We want you to experience joy. That's what Serve Day is about. That's why we go to anyone. It doesn't matter what path they're on. We wanna love them. We wanna share that God has a way. And, and maybe you're like, Ethan, prove it with the Bible. Look at Ephesians chapter two. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Do you see the picture? Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, big words, we're following the devil because this is exactly what he did. He said, God, I see your way, but I choose a different way. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons and daughters of disobedience. You and I, what is sin? Sin is looking at all the warning signs that say, danger ahead, no turning back. You're going to get hurt. The Bible paints the picture in Psalms that as we walk this path, we trip into something that's just like a, a quicksand pit. That once we start sinking, there's nothing we can do. There is nothing we can do to work our way out, crawl our way out, try our way out. Why? Because sin leads to death. Sin kills our relationship with God. Sin destroys his plan for our life. Sin steals the joy he wants you to have. And that's bad news. But God. Now you have to understand that God is your creator. You have to understand that he created us to live this way, that he knows what's best. Because when you understand that, you see the problem. You see the despair. And when you're hurting, when you think that there's no hope left, then you find out who God really is. He's your creator and he's also your savior. Because Ephesians 2 doesn't stop there. It says we were dead, but then it says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved you, even when you were dead, even when you were drowning, even when you were hurt, even when you were broken, even when there was no hope for you. He made you alive. When we know that God is our creator, it helps us understand that God is our savior. I love it because in Psalms, the same verse that says we're sinking in quicksand goes on to say that, that I cried out to the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. If you're in the room today and you're saying, how do I get out of this quicksand? How do I get out of this pit of death called sin? The answer is that I turned to the Lord, the, I cried out to the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry and it says this, it says that he lifted me out of the pit. He lifted me out of the disaster. He lifted me out of the pain. But he didn't just leave you there. It says he set my feet on solid ground. Who is God? He is our creator. 
He is our savior. He, he loves you so much and the Bible says that sin still has a punishment. That sin, sin's punishment is death. In the jury, there has to be a punishment given to someone. And so God didn't just pick you up and set you on solid ground. It says he took your place. In 1 Corinthians, it says that Jesus, he who knew no sin, he became sin and death so that you might become righteous again. Hallelujah to our God. How amazing is that? Maybe you've been coming to Life Point or you've been to another church before and you've wondered why? Why do they raise their hands? Why do they get so involved in what's happening? Because they know that God is their creator and they know that he's their savior. Because when you know who God is, it determines how you interact with him. Your perception of him determines how you interact with him. That's why we'll do anything. And not only is God our creator and our savior. Uh, he, he's so much more. He, he has this purpose for your life. He loves you so much that he created you to work in such a way that when you do it, you get his results. But so many people like myself, we find ourselves doing this and, and you've, you've, you've had this happen before. Um, you didn't read the instruction manual on something and for some reason it broke and you're like, oh, the product's defected. And you're like, no, it's not. Uh, I, this may not be the best illustration, but when I was 16, I had a job at the cookie stand in the mall. Thank you, God. Me and nine girls. It was great. Great job. And I was in St. Louis, Missouri, and I came out. My car had snow and ice all over it. I'm a newbie driver. I didn't have an ice scraper. And so I did what anybody would do. I found a way. And so I pulled my wallet out and I pulled out a credit card, right? You've probably done it. And I get, get in my windshield and I just scrape, 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 scrape. And it's working. Scrape, scrape, snap. Because it wasn't intended to be used for that. I can promise you this. The longer you live your life in the way that God didn't intend you, it will snap. You need to understand. Every time you do what God intended you not to do, it breaks. That's why we have broken relationships. That's why we have broken emotions. That's why we, we have broken purpose because we've walked down this path, but there's so much hope because God being rich in mercy, no matter how far you've walked, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how far you've drowned, but God loves you so much that all you have to do is cry out. And we could stop the message right here. We could say, we're done because this is the greatest story ever told. This is the greatest news you could ever hear. It changes your life. But our God is so much better that this isn't the end of the story, that he doesn't just pick you up and say, good luck, you're on your own. No, he wants more for you. And so before I finish today, I wanna to tell you what I believe the third thing that God is. The third thing that if you could get this, if we could get this as a church, as a people, our lives will be different forever. He's your creator, he's your savior, but he's also everything you're looking for. He's everything you're looking for. He's, he's not just a deity in the sky, who demands to be worshiped. Listen, he's everything you're looking for. In the book of John, Jesus, he interacts with 
a, a woman who, we don't even know her name, she's the woman at the well. The reason we call her this is because um, every day of her life, she trekked to a well. We don't know how far, we just know it was a long journey. At the peak of the sun, the hottest part of the day, noon, by herself, because people who normally did this went early in the morning or late at night because they were ROI, they were smarter, not harder. Not this woman, because she was ashamed, because she'd walked the wrong path for so long that people knew about her. People knew the mistakes she'd made. People knew the things she had done. And Jesus interacts with this woman. I, I love this. It says that Jesus went out of his way to meet her. Yeah. I want you to know if you're in the room today, no matter what you've done, Jesus will go out of his way to meet you, to interact with you. And he walks up to this woman and he, Jesus, he, he's a little tricky. He, he wants to get quickly to the point and he does it in a little sly way. He says, he says to her, he says, can you give me a drink of water? And she's like, get out of my, you're in front of the well. What do you mean? Can you give me a drink of water? And, and she, starts, she starts getting confused like any woman would in this scenario. No one else has ever been out there. And, and he looks at her and he says, he says, listen, woman, I, I know you've had five husbands. And she's, she's taken aback. She's like, I don't even know you. And you know, you know the path I've walked. You know how far I've gone. You know how far I've seen. You know that I've looked everywhere else for satisfaction. Five husbands. Maybe for you it's not five husbands. Maybe for you it's, it's five drugs. Maybe for you it's five jobs. Maybe for you it's five relationships. Maybe for you it's, it's five things that you were told by the world deserve pleasure. Five things you could buy. Five things you could try. Five things and you found yourself empty, just like this woman. And he looks at her and he says, woman, if you only knew the gift of God, and look, look at this line, and who it is you're talking to, if you knew who I was, you would just ask, and I would have given you living water. And the Bible implies that this living water, he's not mentioning water. He's saying, you've looked everywhere. You've looked to five husbands. You've looked everywhere for satisfaction. And the only place you can find it is me. And I believe the thing he said to her is what he's saying to you and I today. Woman, man, if you knew who I was, if you knew that I created you, if you knew that I was your savior, if you just knew, all you have to do is ask and I would give you everything you're looking for. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you've been looking just like me to all the wrong things. That's my story. I, I grew up early. I believe we all have this problem. It started in birth because the Bible says that we all grew up we're born with a God-shaped hole in our heart, something missing, and that something missing is because of sin, because we're over here and God's over there. And so I started early. I, I remember in second grade, people started getting excited because I was good at math. And so I said, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be the best person in school anyone's ever seen. I went for 105 on every test. I studied more than I needed to. Why? Because I was searching for satisfaction. And slowly it faded. And as I got older, I searched in other places. I searched 
in relationships with friends. I searched in popularity. I sewed the polo guy from my sock onto my shirt. I did everything I could. (laughs) And as I got older, more things were offered. More substances were offered. Substances didn't work. They felt for a second and then left me empty for a day, left me empty for a year. So I'm just telling you my story. So I looked to money. I did ridiculous things for money. Got a lot of money in it, left me empty. And so I thought, okay, maybe it's a relationship. And so I I went from girl to girl to girl, just searching for the answer. And I found myself at the end of my rope, ready to give up. I put my head on the pillow and had this thought, and maybe you have too. Is this even worth it? Wake up, go to school, eat dinner, go home. Wake up, go to work, eat dinner, go home. And that's when I met Jesus. 16 years old, July 2010, he reached down and he lifted me out, but he didn't just lift me out. He said, I'm everything you're looking for. The hole inside of my heart that was empty for so long was filled. And so today, my only chance to talk to you I just want you to know that hole, it can be filled. His name is Jesus. You don't have to look anymore. You don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to try anymore. All you have to do is ask. In Jesus' words, he says, woman, man, if you just knew, and now you do, if you just knew, You would ask me and I would give you everything you're looking for. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room. If today you found yourself in the pit, you found yourself hurting, you found yourself alone, you found yourself in despair, you found yourself hopeless, and now you know it's because you've walked the wrong path. That's what sin is. You just went against the way God created you. And when you do that, it hurts. But now today, Jesus is offering. He says, if you would just cry out, he will turn, he will hear your cry, and he will lift you out of the pit and set your feet on solid rock. The Bible says that anyone who believes in their heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is your creator, that he is your savior, that he died on the cross for your sin and defeated death, hell, and the grave so that you could have life. Anyone who believes that and confesses it with their mouth will be saved. If you're in here, today's your day. I'm so excited for you. All you have to do, I'm gonna count to three and I would just like you to raise your hand to publicly identify that today's your day, that Jesus is everything you're looking for. One, today's your day. Two, three, raise your hand right now saying, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. I see your hands. You can slip those back down. Church, we're gonna pray a prayer to confess with our mouth on behalf of those who are praying it for the very first time. We're gonna pray it all together. Would you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sin, make me brand new. I believe that Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you and follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Church, can you help me celebrate those who made that decision today? Amen.